those four years. A conversation recently uh, took place, in fact, during the early parts of the pandemic, uh, there were uh, long conversations online. Uh, Sean Miller, Steve Kerr, and Matt Muehlbach joined on a roundtable discussion. Not that Sean knew of loot in that way, but Steve and Matt, who were teammates in the 87-88 season, shared their thoughts in that discussion about loot and the way loot's practices were run and some of the drills they remember and mm. the Arizona program rising to heights. Matt Muehlbach was part of that. He'll join us in a few minutes. Darren Sutton at about 11.35. He'll have the play-by-play. -play. Matt will provide the analyst work. And then going a much different direction, a young person just getting started in her journalistic career, Really proud of Hadley Heck out of Crescent Valley High School. We've all known the Heck family for, for a long time, Bill and Annie and Will. and Well, Hadley has gotten a job as a feature reporter for KVAL Television, was in fact in town yesterday, I think interviewed Roger Nyquist and filed a feature about that. She's covering news, but has a, a love for sports, played volleyball at Portland State, went to the Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State. Mm -hmm after finishing her career at uh, Portland State as a volleyballer. So we'll have a lot to talk about with young Hadley and then the veterans, Matt Muehlbach and Darren Sutton, to get us started. So that's the lay of the land today. We'll take a break now and come back with Matt, who many of you will be watching tonight, work with Darren Sutton. Matt, we haven't talked to Matt for quite a while, yeah. and he's got the Beavers-Arizona game tonight at McHale. He joins us next on 1240 Joe Radio. Dribble, pass, shoot, score. The Beaver basketball team makes it look pretty simple, but I guarantee it isn't easy. Coach Ruick and his team practice and prepare for each game, and that's why they're so successful. Hi, I'm Todd Washington, owner of CPR Works, where we make CPR and first aid training simple because it won't be easy. Through practice and planning, I can help you get through that unexpected emergency. For your next training, contact me at CPR-Works.com. CPR Works, helping people save lives since 2002. And go Beavs! Everybody plays. Everybody plays. Everybody plays. Play It Again Sports knows play. We sell and buy new and quality used sports and fitness equipment for less, and we pay on the spot so everybody can play. Play It Again Sports wants to buy your used athletic equipment, the stuff you no longer need or want, whatever you have, bring it in now for cash. Play It Again Sports, the official sponsor of all those who play. Play It Again Sports on 9th Street in Corvallis. The Peacock Bar and Grill is closed again for indoor dining, but the Peacock's entire breakfast, lunch, and dinner menu, including their daily $6 specials, are available to eat outside in their covered patio area. You can also pick it up curbside or have it delivered to your home or office by Munchies, Uber Eats, DoorDash, and Grubhub. Call 541-754-8522. That's 754-8522 and get it to go. The Peacock Bar and Grill, a Corvallis tradition since 1929 on 2nd Street, downtown. If your RV or trailer is sitting in storage or out in the rain this winter, let Guarantee pay you cash for your rig. Cash for Campers means no more storage and no more worries. My name is Bo and I live in Cottage Grove. Cash for Campers put over $10,000 in my pocket. We were waiting until summer to sell our trailer, but Guarantee gave us cash right now. Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Jessica and I live in Springfield. Thanks to Guarantee, we no longer have a monthly storage bill and we have more 
more than enough money to remodel our kitchen. Trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, motorhomes, they all qualify for Cash for Campers. I'm Paul. Uh, we have been stuck at home for about nine months now. Guarantee made it really easy for us. No hassles. They came and picked up our fifth wheel at our house and delivered our check. Text RV for me to 55678 for special offers or visit Guarantee.com. That's RV, the number four, me to 55678. Guarantee RV is here to help you put cash in your pocket. Trace comes inside, lays it in, and counts his foul. Your tax and wealth management coaches, Paul Witzke, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, and Robert Berry are ready to put you in the game. Perhaps you're looking to save money for your kids' college, start your retirement, or need business coaching. Tax and wealth management has what you need to execute that game plan into a victory. With 40 years in business, tax and wealth management in Corvallis has the strategy you need for tax planning and saving for your financial future. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com or call 541 85 to get in the game. The Joe Beaver Show continues later today. I'll be on the call with the pregame show at 4.30 on the television side. It will be a viewer's pleasure to listen and watch the work of Darren Sutton, who will join us a little bit later this I think hour. this is a first where we've gotten the entire broadcast crew, at least play-by-play and analyst, on the show of game day. On the same day. We've done full crews right. before, sideline reporters even. We can't do that tonight. <laughs> it would be nice to have the trifecta. But Darren will have the play-by-play call and Matt Muehlbach. It's been a while since we visited with the outstanding analyst and former Wildcat Matt Muehlbach, kind enough to join us on the Joe Beaver Show this morning. Matt, thanks for taking time. How are you today? Uh, doing fantastic, guys. And I was listening to that, that start, but that's kind of cool. You'll have Darren on as well. So yeah. get both of us. That's fun. Yeah. Really looking forward to talking to Darren. And one of the things, it, since you start there, Matt, with him, you'll be working with him tonight on the Pac-12 Networks. He, when I think of the year 2020, the just the whole sense of loss you know there was there were so many a sense of loss in the world and for athletics and all of those things but so many giants in the world lost to uh to us who meant so much uh Darren's father here in 2021 passed recently but last year I think about so many Hall of Fame baseball players but um, along the way your coach the legendary Lute Olson passed. And I, I can't call a game. I won't be at McHale Center tonight, but just thinking about Lute and Bobby Olson court, thinking about Lute and the legacy. I mean, it's hard for me to even think about how large of a figure he was. And you're a guy that played for him in those amazing years. What did, it, what did he mean to you and his loss? How did it hit you? Could you share a little bit with us about Lute Olson? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, Mike. Thanks for asking about it. Well, I'll start with this. I mean, I, I've always maintained that he's been the most impactful figure in Tucson in Southern Arizona ever, you know, of all time. I mean, what he's done for the city of Tucson, the university, the community, you know, he, he created this, this basketball power, but, you know, the, the, indirect part was he just created this incredible sense of community around this city and gave it, he really gave it an identity. Um, and, you know, the, the collective identity of the people that go to McHale and watch the games. And, you know, I, I can just mention that and everyone in Tucson knows what that means and can feel that. And whether you were even at McHale or watched it on TV, you know, and you go back to just those years and again, what it can do for a community. I, I grew up partly when I was real young in Kansas City, and then I moved to California. But 
I remember just a few years ago when the Royals, you know, I've been a Royals fan my whole life when they won the World Series, what it did to the city of Kansas City, the pride and the, the just the, the, the complete just love for the team and so forth, what that did for that city. And that's what I saw here in Tucson, you know, just firsthand in person. And, you know, for me, Mike, just personally, you know, I, I really became friends with him way more after I was playing than I was when I was mm-hmm. playing. You know, he was kind of a little bit of an old school guy. Um, you didn't get really close to him, you know, while you were playing. I loved all the lessons he taught on and off the court. But afterward, it was great, you know, just to share a glass of wine. He was a, he was really a, a funny guy. He loved sports, you know. And I remember times being at his house, you know, with other players, like in some event, watching, you know, the football game or, you know, of course, watching basketball. And <clears throat> I think the other thing that, that hits me is what he did – for our program because it was a real family and you know my best friends over the years are guys that i played with steve kerr and judd bushler and uh you know sean rooks before he passed away and people like that that just he created this incredible atmosphere that i'm connected to all these these incredible people and it was really because of luke matt you you were part of and i just in getting ready to visit with you today i saw online a reprise of a conversation a, a roundtable conversation in the early days of the pandemic with yourself Steve Kerr and Sean Miller and in it yeah you you and Steve were talking about drills that you remember and brisk walks and and tossback drills and so on so maybe if you could take yeah. us a little bit closer to some of the things big picture stuff you've given about the impact and the magnitude of loot, but just on a day-to-day basis and practice and being in the program, what was that like with him? Well, I've always said, you know, one of the things that made him a Hall of Famer was he was good at everything, but I think one of the secret sauces, his magic, so to speak, was, you know, Mike, he was was a old-school coach when it came to fundamentals. And you saw the part about Steve and I talking about the – you know, the, the, the pass back, the toss back. And, you know, Steve used a lot of, uh, of Lute's fundamental drills in his stuff with the Warriors. And I think they probably, when he first got there, were like, who, who, what's this guy talking about? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's seriously like freshman year basketball, you know, your freshman year and what the coach is going to talk to you about. And I mean, old school fundamentals. But the magic I was talking about was his ability to weave that into being a really progressive coach. So our practices were always the same. We started off the first, you know, especially in the early parts of the year, November, December, you know, 30, 45 minutes of just drills. And I'm talking about, you know, jump stops and and pivot feed and we practice charges and, you know, passing and just all the simple things. And then the next sort of 45 minutes was kind of drills that would incorporate those types of things, you know, two on two, three on one, or two on one to three on two, and and two on two drills and closeout drills and things like that that you would use in the game. And then he, I'll tell you, Mike, every single day from the first day of practice, we pretty much scrimmaged. He was a believer in playing, and he let guys play. He was very progressive in that regard. He did not hold us back. I mean, he wanted guys to, you know, use their ability within that system. So it was kind of a it was like, hey, be fundamental and do the right thing. But once you are, I don't want you to be held back. And so we, we scrimmaged. And we scrimmaged every day. They, and the other thing that he was interested in, where he was, I think, way ahead of his time, 
<clears throat> was we kept statistics every day at every scrimmage, hmm. and they accumulated over the you know November and December parts of practice. And so, when guys came to him and said, "Hey, I think I should be playing more," he'd, he'd go, "Well, look, here's the stats. <laughs> I, I got them every day, <laughs> and you're not, you know, you're not on top of them." Hmm. And he was a uh, he was he was both he was I. You know, you think of some coaches that are a defensive coach or an offensive coach. I think the other brilliant part of him is he was neither. He was both. And I remember on defense, I was joking. Actually, I was talking to my daughters about this the other day. He would get the attention of the team right before the first, like two weeks before the first game, he'd get upset about us, you know, rebounding. And he would say, I'll, I'll tell you what, whoever the top five rebounders are before the first game are starting. And I remember Sean Elliott was a, the best player ever in you know Arizona history, in my opinion, without a doubt. But he was not always the best rebounder, and he was trying to motivate Sean. I remember Sean would go to like our assistants and say, "You think he's serious? Like, is he really going to start the top five rebounders? Because he may not have been in the top five at the right. time." But that was the way he motivated people, and um, he was just he was a brilliant preparation guy too, just brilliant at preparing. For other teams, he watched a lot of film. He just he was really good at understanding the the weaknesses and strength of the other team. Fascinating. Hey, Matt, this is John with Mike. Follow up on Steve Kerr taking those fundamentals to to the NBA. Whatever happened with that? I know they may have rolled their eyes. You alluded to that, but did it stick? And did they appreciate it? And does he continue to do that? Because Mike and I just marvel at how more teams need to concentrate on the fundamentals and they don't. So that, that part of your story fascinates me. Yeah. He, he said that he did it early on and they kind of were looking at him funny and, uh, but he still does it. And, you know, Steve, I think took a lot, of course, now Steve is unique in that when you think of who's coached him, he's had like six Hall of Fame coaches coaching. You have Lute Olson, you have Phil Phil Jackson, you have Greg Popovich, um, Lenny Wilkins, and um, well the assistant for the Bulls, who I'm not thinking of his name, Johnny Bach, and then um, uh, the, the head coach he was had one year with the Suns, and Scott Fitzsimmons went to the Hall of Fame. So he had like six Hall of Fame coaches, so he incorporates a lot of it. But one thing he does, I know Steve does a lot of new stuff too. So he's like loot in that sense where he's pretty progressive. And he put, you know, he plays music during practices and does a lot of fun things. I know like they do things like when he feels they're getting sort of burnt out, they'll bring a football in and play football, you know, and he's really into a lot of that. They, they watch a lot of film. And I remember, I'll tell you one of the things that maybe he got from, from Luke. We used to watch a lot of film. When I'm thinking back in the day, I don't know how much film people watch, but Lute really broke it down. But we would do some really funny things. You know, we would have, we'd sort of make fun of guys in the film session, and he would kind of just, just to lighten it up a bit. And I know Steve's done a lot of that with his players. You know, they'll do some funny videos and, and really kind of not take themselves too seriously. But, yeah, he told me he's got, he's got several drills that he, he named out, and I think one of them's called the Lute Drill. And they run it all the time, you know, with the Warriors. And I think the players respect it. And I think they see, you know, the, 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 the you know, what it does and how important it is. Matt Muehlbach joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. He'll be working tonight's game with Darren Sutton on the Pac-12 Networks, the Beavers at Arizona. And we'll get to that game in a moment. But relative to the Beavers and, and Arizona, when your four-year run, Matt, it's phenomenal to look at the era you had, four conference championships. 
you went 64-0 and at McHale. You were part of the first Final Four team your freshman year with Loot in 87-88. So that, that all speaks well to itself. But the Beavers had been a, were a power in the 80s as well. You went 9-1 and one head-to-head against Oregon State as a player, losing once <laughs> to GP in the 89-90 campaign early, an early conference game. What do you remember about yeah. playing the Beavers, playing against Gary, those Ralph Miller teams, which I think had a lot of the sim- same qualities that you're describing with loot? Well, you know, it's funny because not all records are the same. And I, I, I probably went nine and one against a couple of other teams with, with nine routes and maybe one loss. But the Oregon State games were close. And, and I, we, you know, we had a tremendous amount of respect for Oregon State, for, for Ralph Miller. And I remember the, the loss you were talking about. <laughs> it was, we, we had lost Sean Elliott. It was my junior year. And so we were a little bit, it reminded me, in fact, I'm going to probably mention it on the air tonight, it reminded me of this Beaver team losing Trace Tinkle. You know, you lose someone that, you know, with that much presence and statistics and everything as part of the team, and you sort of wonder what's your identity. And we actually, I think, were ranked maybe 20th in the country. We started the year and beat Michigan, the defending national champion, in the tip-off classic. We had an unbelievable game, and we went from like 20th to like second in the country in like three days, right? And then we go in, we go into Corvallis and get demolished <laughs> by your Beavers. I mean, we got blown out of the gym in the early part of November there or December, and uh, I just remember the way they played. It was like you said, a lot like Luke. They knew how to play. They knew that they played the game the right way. Good players, but played hard, played physical, and it was just it was you, you knew you weren't going to. They weren't going to lose. You know, you had to go in and win that game and beat them. Um, and I just remember the games up in Corvallis were great. I mean, it was just, it was a hard place to play. The, the, the gym was rocking. You know, Ralph was just an incredible figure. I mean, I, I, you know, Lou was much younger then, and, mm-hmm. and Ralph was really the guy. I mean, Coach Miller was, was really, you know, I mean, after sort of John Wooden, it was kind of Ralph mm-hmm. Miller to me. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up in the Bay Area watching Oregon State. So, I just, you know, it was fun playing them. And, you know, I played against Gary in high school, so that was nothing new to me. I knew how good he was. Um, he was, you know, I just, I remember them playing a lot of zone. And I just told everyone on our team, I said, look, if Gary's on the left side, you go to the right. If he's on the right, you go to the left. It's like, if you're a quarterback, you don't throw to the, you know, the DB on that side. And that's what we did. We just stayed away from him because mm-hmm. he, was, he was so dominant defensively. Yeah. Did, did Gary talk a lot of trash back in high school? <laughs> you know, he, he, talked to every, he talked all the time. That's just who he was. He didn't talk a lot to me. You know? And I think I saw him a few years ago. And I actually you know, was like honestly not sure he'd remember me. He was super cool, remembered me, like his respect and kind of love and sort of affiliation for the Pac-12 and, and Oakland where I played and where he grew up. I mean, it was, you could really feel it, and it was really fun talking to him. But he never said much to me because I didn't say anything. I was scared to death of him, so I didn't say <laughs> anything to him. I mean, that guy was – he was – and I say this in a nice – you know, in like a, a very complimentary way. He was mean. I mean, he was yeah. just tough and mean and the scowl and the way he played and the attitude. I just, I just tried to play hard against him and, and kind of – I was like, I'm not going to win that battle, you know, talking to Gary Payton. So I knew how good he was early on in, in the Oakland Leagues and – 
And uh, like I said, I think maybe because of that history, he kind of he kind of left me alone. Hmm. Matt, last thing on your own game. The three-point field goal shot is so, I mean, it's ubiquitous. It's just the way teams are built offensively, particularly at the NBA, but collegiately as well. It looks to me, though, as though Loot, like you said, he, he may have been old school and fundamentally sound, but he embraced how to win games, and the, you were one of his early and best three-point shooters, Steve Kerr, too, but you were a 42%er lifetime from beyond the line, 43% that year you're talking about against Gary in 89-90. So you were a great shooter. How did, Was the three-point field goal something that, that Lute really worked and, and wanted you guys to take? He did. He, 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 he talked to us, and he said, look, guys, you know, he always had – a baseline. He said, I want my big guys, you know, shooting around 55, 60%. He said, any guard that shoots 50%. Now this is before the three point line. That was like the gold standard. If you could shoot 50% as a guard, right? And he was happy if you were shooting somewhere, you know, 45%. Mm-hmm. But when the three came in, I remember him talking to us and he just said, Hey guys, this is simple math. You know, <laughs> you go, you go one for three. I mean, you know, you, you, you figure the math out. Like, it's really easy if you're shooting around 33%, you're shooting like 50% from the field before this came in. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm happy with you guys taking the shot. We want to, now we had great big guys when I played. So he, he loved the idea of going inside out. He wanted us to get the ball inside. We got fouled all the time, but he loved the idea of going inside out. And I, I will tell you, Mike, it's, it's really interesting. I don't remember one time in four years him getting mad at me for taking a shot. He, and, and I think it was, I know it was on purpose because he was very sensitive to like building guys' confidence in shooting. And he, he was very, very, like he would almost never tell you it was a bad shot. He might say it in a different way or could we get a better shot, but he was, he never once yelled at me for taking a shot from a three. And I probably took some bad shots, but he was, he wanted us to be confident, wanted us to take them. And again, and that, you know, then I left and our guard got even better. And we had guys like Arizona had, you know, Khalid Reeves and Damon Damon and then Mm -hmm. Salim Stoudemire and those guys. And he just let them go. I mean, he was, he he let them shoot as much as they want. And they were shooting, I remember, you know, 37, 38, 39. But again, if you do the math, you know, it works out. If you're shooting those numbers and even if you're shooting a lot of them, it's it's and especially if you get hot, I mean, you can just blow teams out of the gym. So he was. It's it's interesting thinking back. He was very progressive on yeah. on the three pointer. Yeah, and it's funny because I, I read an article about you. You were talking to Bobby Hurley. It was about your triple double. It was it was pretty entertaining, but it was it was a good article about that. But in that article, it it talked about that changeover in that particular tournament. Uh, the the three point line was new, and back then teams at the very beginning were averaging around thir- I think your team thirteen attempts a game. Now it's up to twenty, and that's yeah. low per all other teams around the country. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. would Loot be okay with it going up that much? <laughs> I think he would. I, mean, I think he would because of the math. Yeah. I, I read an article John the other day that was I think in, when the three pointer came into into being in the NBA it was around nineteen eighty two. And um, the Lakers that year won the NBA championship, and I think they made five three-pointers in the playoffs. Wow. Five. Wow. It's, it's stunning. Yeah. Like, it, it just it blows my mind to even think about that, how much the game has changed. 
and how quickly and guys like Steph have changed it. And, yeah. you know, they're, they're shooting, and Dame, you guys see it up there, Damian Lillard, they're shooting 40 footers. Like it's, like it's, it's incredible. Nothing. I mean, it's just, yep. Hey, Matt, Matt we're, Darren's on deck. I want to get a thought from you about tonight. The, the Beavers were obliterated by Arizona, as you know, at Gill. After that, though, I give Wayne and the players all the credit in the world. They won three straight, five of seven, coming off now, getting uh, taken care of by Colorado. I, what kind of game are you expecting tonight with Arizona coming in off two losses, the Beavers off a big loss, but the Beavers having pulled themselves together significantly since the last time the Beavs played Arizona. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like it's going to be really competitive. This is a year where it's like I would almost title it like circle the wagons because so many people, so many teams have these like stretches where they're losing guys and they have a weird week and then they lose two in a row. They get blown out like the Beavers did against Arizona. But then Arizona last week, you know, they had a horrible game against Utah and they had to circle the wagons against Colorado. So Colorado was coming off a horrible loss to Utah where they right. were up 19 and lost. Right. They were circling the wagons. So it's like a lot of it is timing. You know, when do you catch a team mm-hmm. and you catch them on the circling the wagons time or not? And to your point, Mike, I think both Arizona and, and Oregon State are kind of in a good place because a good place in the sense that Oregon State lost. I think, you know, talked to Coach Tinkle yesterday. He said he kind of, you know, got talked to his guys. They talked a lot about what they need to do. They're playing well, but then had a really bad game Monday. It was a weird time on the on the schedule. Arizona's lost two in a row. I think they'll both be hungry, a little desperate, and I think that usually produces some some pretty good basketball. We look forward to. Uh, I'll be calling it on the radio side, and then go home <laughs> and watch it later. That's just sort of the pattern. I'm up here in Corvallis, yeah. and we'll miss. Are you guys going to get you and Darren going to be on site at McHale? Uh, we will be on site, okay, and i got to tell you, Mike, yeah. one of the things I miss about the Pac-12 and just the family of the Pac-12 is I remember times where I would have a game up in, like, Eugene, and I would leave the game, and I'd turn on the radio and listen to you, you know, during a game, like Oregon State, mm-hmm. Cal, or something. And it's just, it's it's fun, because I, I, I remember, I've, I've heard you a lot do games, and I miss, you know, hearing those type of things, being on the road as much as I used to. I haven't been on the road as much this year. Right, And so I miss all that. So I'm sure you guys will have a great call, like always. Matt, great talking to you again. Thanks, Thanks for the time. Have a good broadcast tonight. We, yep. we'll, we'll connect down the road again. Thanks for joining us. Yep. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Matt Muehlbach. Nice dude. Yeah. And so is our next guest, Darren Sutton, after this. he's got Darren will have the play-by-play. We'll talk to Darren, though, not only about that, but with his leave, a bit about a true baseball legend, mm-hmm. his father, Don. Uh, one of my original heroes. And so Darren Sutton joins us next on 1240 Joe Radio. Everyone has an Uncle Fester in their life, that person who is nearly impossible to please. Well, take them to Woodstock's Pizza and they'll find exactly what they're looking for. Because Woodstock's Pizza is pizza for all, with over 35 fresh toppings to choose from, six different sauces, four different crust options, including cauliflower and gluten-free. Plus, vegan and dairy-free options, Woodstock's Pizza really is pizza for all. Woodstock's Pizza. They'll even please Uncle Fester on Kings Boulevard in Corvallis. Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid-Valley. Trump says the area's largest selection of radio-controlled cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. 
Build it, drive it, fly it. Trump Zombies in the Timberhill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. At H&R Block, tax time means max refund time. And with virtual tax prep, our experts can help you get your refund from home. Stay in your sweatpants. Just snap some pics of your docs and a tax pro does the work. Your maximum refund is guaranteed or your money back. Virtual tax prep, one of the many ways Block has your back. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. This is Serena from your local H&R Block. Last year was full of surprises and tax prep shouldn't be. Visit one of our local six offices today. Don't forget about our Philomath office next to Safeway and the Sunset Shopping Center. Book your appointment today and let us get your maximum refund. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs. Middleton Heating has been here helping you for over 71 years, 24 hours a day. Middleton can repair, replace, or maintain all types of heating and cooling equipment. Heating unit troubling you? Need repairs or replacement? Give Middleton Heating a call. For new equipment, Middleton offers several financing options and participates in state, federal, and manufacturer incentive programs. Don't forget Middleton's custom sheet metal shop is still taking orders, large or small. You can count on Middleton for all your heating, cooling, and sheet metal needs online at Middleton Heating. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. Need someone to service or repair your Volkswagen? See the guys at Independent Auto Works. Since 1970, they've been repairing and servicing all makes and models of VWs. And since they're next to the OSU campus, if you're a student or on staff, you can drop your car off and walk to work. For parts, service, or just plain advice, see the guys you can trust. Your satisfaction is our success. Independent Auto Works. Looking for something really special for Valentine's? Donabella Fine Lingerie in Corvallis has 20% off all panties. At Donabella, you'll find lasting and treasured gifts like beautiful sleepwear, cozy robes, and fabulous lingerie for your Valentine. Top it all off with jewelry to make her glitter or lotions to soothe her skin. Donabella Fine Lingerie in Corvallis has 20% off all panties just in time for Valentine's Day. Gift certificates and free gift wrapping. Donabella on 2nd Street in Corvallis. Your local Qdoba Mexican Eats plays an important role in serving our communities and will continue to provide access to freshly prepared food during this challenging time. While dining rooms are temporarily closed, all of your local Qdoba locations in Salem, Corvallis, Eugene, and throughout Oregon are ready to serve you with their same great flavors, making sure to take all safety precautions out of concern for their dedicated workers and valued customers. For quick and easy takeout ordering, call ahead to your locally owned and operated Qdoba Mexican needs for curbside pickup. You can also use the app or order online at Qdoba.com. It's Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Not one single case of COVID was traced to any sport that has taken place anywhere in the world. The NFL, which tested rigorously throughout the entirety of the season, you can play sports safely. It's Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis. Early weekday mornings, 3 to 6 on 1240 Joe Radio. <laughs> Matt was great. Really nice guy. Where's Darren? 
you know, the, Darren <laughs> Sutton is scheduled to join us right now. And yesterday we had a, a, a textual exchange that confirmed that several times over. Yeah. And, you know, things come up. Things happen. Sure. And so we're waiting for a return call from him on the number that's slightly outside the downward dog world. One of those sort of backline numbers that not many people know because we... Only we, guests we, know that number. Yeah, we have to have that available at all times. And an occasional wrong number. <laughs> I've been solicited on that line for... Uh, different warranties and and things like yes, that. Yes, that's true. But uh, and then looking for some things in town, I go, oh yeah, I know what where the, you know, the Corvallis League is or whatever it might be. And but this is the wrong number. <laughs> we have a show going on. Okay, goodbye. So we will uh, hope to hear from Darren Sutton here momentarily. Outstanding broadcaster in his own right. Mm-hmm. The son of the late great Don Sutton, and that's one of the things, John, that. After Don passed and that news began to come our way, and I, I was just about to go on the air with the Beavers-USC game that day when the news hit, that in itself was was saddening. But upon reflection, then going back and looking back at the career, mm-hmm. that's when I became more impressed than ever. I mean, I knew Don, Don was good, Hall of Famer, 58 career shutouts, 324 wins, 23 seasons in the major leagues. But it's the studying of those seasons that just fascinated me in going back to it. Mm-hmm. The consistency, the durability, the be able to go throw 200 innings virtually every year for 22 years is unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. And so that would not be numbers and all of those things not necessarily what we would talk about i believe darren's calling us now and we'll make a connection with the gentleman who will be calling the game tonight and will be in person at McHale center and luton bobby olson court for the game darren sutton alongside of matt muhlbach and it's an honor to welcome darren in to the Joe Beaver Show. Darren, just to let you know, we just had your broadcast partner to open the show today, Matt Muhlbach, on, and we're excited to watch you guys work together tonight. What a great guy he is, and how excited are you about a chance to call tonight's game at McHale? Well, I'm really excited. Anytime you go down there, albeit in our unique situation this year where it's crowd noise from the past that we hear, um, it's still wonderful, and Matt's a pro. I mean, not only was he a great player, but he's such a good, strong broadcaster. And uh, you put it simply, you, you're way more. He, he gave you way more insights than I will because he has that touch and feel of the game. But I'm excited. I love going down there. It's about a two-hour drive from my home, so I feel fortunate. And Darren, we talked a lot about with Matt about his days with Lute, his battles against Gary Payton. We didn't spend a lot of time on the game itself, so lest we, you know, kind of lose track of that. And there are other things I'm looking forward to visiting with you about today. But what about in your preparation for the game, some of the things that have occurred to you as you get ready to call this game that, you know, just making your notes, studying releases, preparing however it is you prepare for a basketball game, some of the things that have occurred to you about tonight's matchup? Yeah, I think one of the things is, and this is, you know, for Oregon State fans that are looking across to the other bench and, how deeply talented Benedict Matherin is and how they need him healthy and, and to stay healthy. He's incredibly athletic. He plays the game almost more like um, a running back would play the game, you know, that kind of physical presence. 
Um, the advanced metrics are 100% on his side, um, and he's only a freshman. You know, kind of one of those unique – this is such a diverse team for Sean Miller this year as far as globally with players from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and Matherin's one of those players that, you know, you, you have to think that even though it's a year in which they won't play in the postseason, um, he probably will only be there a year or two. And uh, I, I think everyone looks at this team of being together for a longer time, not a whole bunch of one-and-dones, but – a guy like that may be two and done. And um, the other one that, that I really think is special is Ajulis Tubelis, who's another freshman who's a huge impact player. And um, obviously, you know, he, he did good things. His last game, Oregon State fans know who he is. But those are two freshmen that to get that kind of an impact in a year which, you know, you're doing it without a crowd and, and which you're doing it in a unique situation. Um, I think those are two guys. I love seeing freshmen have that kind of impact, and those are two guys that are going to be future pros. Darren Sutton joining us. Darren, you touched on something that you're right about. This was believed to be, and, and who knows, I mean, Sean Miller and, and with the still waiting to see how everything plays out from the various investigations and currently mm-hmm. the, the Arizona situation in the IARP and into the CCU. We'll just leave that alone, but that's sort of the world that Arizona basketball has had hovering over them the last three years. But if Sean Miller is still there and has the team, the idea has been that he's finally going to have a team maybe that isn't just filled with one-and-done guys, but Matherin's played his way maybe into a one-and-done. He's really generating a lot of buzz right now. Yeah, he's special. He certainly is, and and I think this is a team that's going to be very dangerous for many years to come. I mean, even even when it, as it pertains to, to, to their net rating, I mean, you know, again, you don't really think a lot about them because they don't have a spot in the postseason. Mm-hmm. They don't have a spot in the conference tournament. Um, this is, you know, a team that's at 44 with that many young players and a, and a team that, you know, kind of has been trying out early on for who wants to be the star of the team. And there were some that were special early, like Jamal Baker. But Jamal Baker has been nothing since he – you know, had some big games early. He's averaging about seven points a game. So um, it, it's just, you're right, it's interesting, and it'll be interesting to see the future of the program. You know, as it pertains, you know, to Sean, this is one of those years where I think you're wise to take, uh, to jump out front and do the investigating with whoever is going to do the investigating. And uh, in a pandemic year, who knows, you know, I think we'll get to the tournament, but that's one of those years where it made sense to go ahead and take your medicine. Yeah, and Darren, have you seen any difference in play or um, just in, in in body language or anything with this team since they decided to to pull the, the trigger on that? No. I mean, again, they started out so strong. They really, really did, you know, as it pertains to, you know, their out-of-conference play. Gosh, I, I think a, a majority of of the times I saw them early on, and, and, I, and I was on the beat a lot when Matt and I kidded that um, we were the voices of the program because we were there so much and so often. Uh, I, I think they've lost some of the games that they're supposed to lose, uh, you know, and, and when they've gone through what they've gone through. But, no, I haven't seen it drop. And, and for anything that's been said or, you know, mentioned about, you know, possibilities of, of what's going to happen to this program off the court, that's the one thing I know about Sean that's the one thing you won't see. Um, you just won't see. He has control of his players. He has control of his team. He doesn't lose teams. And there may be other things that, that may be an uphill battle. And all coaches, every coach has an imperfection, right? There is no perfect coach. But the one thing I've noticed about Sean um, is he doesn't lose teams and lose players. Not for very long, maybe for a game or two. So you know, it's tough to go to Utah and Colorado. Those are two pretty good teams. 
Um, you know, those are two teams inside the net rating at the 90, and obviously Colorado's the best team in conference. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, yeah, I haven't seen the body language be a disappointment at all. It's interesting you say he doesn't lose teams. One of the storylines that, that intrigued me, though, Ben Matherin, whom we, whom we talked about, he got on Ben a little bit in the loss at Utah when Utah did a nice job on him. He only took six mm-hmm. shots, was out of his game, and the sense I got he may have sulked a little bit or pouted on defense and just wasn't giving the kind of effort Sean liked, so he benched him to start the second half. Did not start him at Colorado, and now you're teetering. Do you lose a guy? Well, he came out and scored 22 points against Colorado and played lights out again, so Miller found a way to motivate him, it seems, Darren, without losing him. Yeah, and that's a gift, right? I mean, that, that that's to me a gift, you know, whether it's in parenting, whether it's in a supervisory position in a job, whether it's being a coach, uh, you know, of a, of a Gen Z or of a youngster, who they're already, right, any young athlete, you know, all of us feel like we're fragile through this pandemic mess, but, but especially youngsters who are experiencing their freshman or sophomore year in college, and they're just trying to figure out their, their, their family from a hole in the ground, and, and yet they're dealing with this and the pressures and, and how do I handle it. And, oh, by the way, I'm going to lay into this kid, but I'm going to know when the right time to do it is. That certainly is a gift. Darren Sutton joining us on the Joe Beaver Show. We'll have the call with Matt Muehlbach tonight. On the Oregon State side, Darren, just a quick thought from you. You've seen a lot of Arizona. I don't know how much you've seen of the Beavers, but after the Arizona beatdown in January 14th, I thought it was one of the more impressive things I've seen Coach Tinkle do to galvanize a team from losing by 34 to come back and beat USC and to uh, to beat Arizona State, then USC, win three straight and five of seven. That's not losing a team either, right? That's a pretty good coaching job. No, it's outstanding. And Matt may or may not have told you when we talked to Wayne last night, um, you know, he, he basically, after they spent about seven or eight hours with the coaches, you know, kind of, and you probably know this as, as one of the intimate people that cover the team, both of you guys do, but it was, we're going to execute better. We're going to try harder. We're going to enjoy one another. And, and again, I think with a modern athlete, that, that last one's very important, you know, learning to enjoy and appreciate your teammates and, and, and to slot them into the right spot, you know, uh, to slot them where they belong and, and to put them, you know, especially offensively, defensively, where they can impact the game the most. Like, I think everyone would love, you know, to have Zach Reichel to have more of a role, to have more of a leadership role. But who he is is very important to the team. You know, I mean, he, this is a guy that, gosh, within your state has been Mr. Basketball for a half generation. Um, but he is who he is, you know, and he has his feelings and he, he has his limits. So I think that, that last part about enjoying it, I think the coaches were talking to themselves, too. I mean, uh, you and I both talked. We've all talked to Division One high-level head coaches where you, you know, you maybe get frustrated with the player. You're not seeing, you know, exactly what you want to see. It's one thing to underachieve and to not try, but it's another thing to try and push a ceiling that is permanent that exists. And I think that uh, coaches talking to coaches, players talking to players, I think that last one, enjoy one another. And you guys both know that winning is enjoyable too. So, yeah, I give him and his staff a lot of credit to, to flip the script and, you know, a game like tonight to to play a meaningful game, to hang in this game, and to heck even pull an upset would mm-hmm. would be huge. Darren Sutton will have the call tonight with Matt Muehlbach. Darren, uh, I hope you don't mind me reflecting a bit on one of my early heroes in in sport in life. I, my first Major League Baseball game was June seventeenth, nineteen sixty six. You know, we had. 
Jennifer Allen, George Allen's daughter on the other day. She said her very first memory in life was 1963. She was three years old, and her dad coming home and celebrating with a game ball when at, from Soldier Field. The Bears had won the mm-hmm. NFL championship. She says the very first thing she remembers is her dad celebrating a football win. Not vividly, but that's her first valid, vivid memory. For you, I wonder, in the in the loss of your legendary father, in a life in sport, and I think one of uh, the sights that I saw regarding you, another great day at the ballpark about Darren Sutton, born into mm-hmm. athletics, played it, live it, call it, love it. You were born into it, weren't you? What Do you have a first memory along those lines? about my, I, The first game I saw, your dad pitched, and I've loved him ever since. Yeah, what a small world sports and athleticism is, right? It's, it's we're, we're kind of all a, a family with one another, you know, different races, different backgrounds. Um, I, I just think I vividly remember being in that front row at Dodger Stadium in aisle 105 and, and, and feeling like it was a million miles away from what was just the loads level, the second level at Dodger Stadium. Um, and looking out a lot, enjoying the, the, the fun that went along with it. Those are, those are very vivid memories, how kind everyone was. Look, we're going back to the 70s. It was a different world in 73, 4, and 5. Um, you know, you could run around and once you were 8 or 9 years old. Um, you could have a $5 bill and run around Dodger Stadium safely. Um, not that it's not, but parents just wouldn't leave their kids at 8 years old to run around a big league ballpark, but you could then. And I did a lot. Um, heck, I remember before my father left the Dodgers, he left after the 80 season, which would have put me, you know, 10 years old. I can remember going to work with him. And, you know, as long as I stayed out of the way and there was yes, sirs, and no, sirs, and I was respectful, I'd find a cinder block wall somewhere underneath Dodger Stadium, somewhere down in the batting cages, um, you know, and, and put the machine on if the players were done working out. And I'd emulate those guys that my dad was playing with. And, He'd give me a $5 bill, and I'd eat Dodger dogs and run around until my mom arrived. She'd drive a couple hours later. So it was my playpen. It was my, um, it was my youth. And so for me, uh, you know, I have incredible memories as a teenager, uh, as a player who was chasing that same goal, you know, uh, as your guys you see on the Oregon State baseball field. I was chasing that at that point. My father was still playing. Um, he pitched in games you know, three years, four years before I was born, and he pitched in games when I was 18 years old, which is crazy <laughs> yes. to think about. So I have so many vivid memories, but certainly the, the baby ones, the young ones you're talking about, like Mrs. Allen, was, uh, was definitely Dodger Stadium and uh, front row of 105. And, Darren, the, the, there's so many things, and, and you've been kind enough to join us before, and I hope, again, we can talk more about some of the things. But how were you struck by the tributes and the love and the people in the news of the passing of your father, Darren, and our condolences here from our world and all of us. But how deeply have you been touched by the outpouring you've heard and the people that that have shared their thoughts about your your dad? Yeah, and, and not to denigrate anybody else, but that may be the best question I've been asked because I've taken people down that road, but you actually asked me. Um, baseball was our, our intimacy, you know, like a lot of fathers and sons, especially sons of baby boomers. There's not a lot of touchy feely that goes on in emotion. Yet my dad and I always, um, shared baseball. And so for me, when he passed and it wasn't a surprise, we knew he was in poor health for more than a year. Um, 
I was blown away, not just distruck, but blown away. I, I lost my day. We all work from home. I lost my work day completely, but was glad to. Um, and then another work day completely, just communicating with people um, from, you know, from those that he played with, from those that, you know, handled his media, like a Tim Mead, who's the president of the Hall of Fame, uh, to old teammates, to old broadcasters like Ross Porter, a name you know very well, mm-hmm. uh, to younger people, to, you know, current people that are current out in Major League Baseball, like an A.J. Hinch um, or a Josh Burns, to a whole bunch of youngsters, guys like you cover in the world of prep and high school and college baseball because I'm so involved. And that, that may have meant the most to me, to have you know, young athletes say, hey, I've read about your dad. I'm sorry about your dad. My, my, my wishes to your family. And that young man's the number eight-ranked player in the 22 class, maybe committed to Oregon State or a school like that. Um, and it just reminded me what a great family, multi-generational um, baseball is. And so, yeah, I was, that's a great question. Thank you for asking. I was blown away by, by all the people that reached out. And thank you, Darren, for answering that. The, the final thing then is pulling back from it's impossible to separate being his son. But what, I, what staggered me, Darren, was when I went back and looked at your father's, just his record, knowing nothing else about him, what a great broadcaster, friend, man, dad, all of those things that he was, based on all of the testimony and stories I've read. But the sheer numbers are ridiculously good. Con- the consistency of innings and durability, I, it's unbelievable to me. I don't, do people really appreciate that? You as a baseball guy, major league announcer yourself and all of that, he, he's almost in a class by himself in that respect, back to Christy Mathias and Cy Young type durability. Yeah, he was special, and I watched how he did it, and I watched his focus, um, and I understood it. Um, he still was very lucky. You know, uh, faith was part of our home, so, you know, we or I believe that he was very blessed in that area. Um, but he didn't sit in the closet. You know, we always, if we are people of faith, we we think, okay, if we have gifts, we can't just sit in the closet and have them work out. you got to get up, got to take advantage, got to harvest that crop if, if you're given a gift. And, uh, boy, did he work his tail off. And But, but. You're right. It's still, it, we all work hard, right? I mean, but still to do what he did, um, it's exceptional. It's exceptional. I, I'm, I'm, and, and during that time, I was blown away and reminded of the 700 plus starts and of the times that, you know, he was ready to pitch and the times that he was ready to pitch again in five days over and over and over again. And I was also reminded with a giggle what a handful he could be at times for like a Tommy Lasorda, who was more of a pom-pom cheerleader kind of guy, who ironically enough passed away not long before he did. And they butted heads a lot. But boy, they won together a lot. And I get a kick out of the fact that I'm hoping they're up, up in heaven laughing together because they accomplished a lot together as two totally different human beings. So uh, a lot of good memories for sure. Darren, thank you so much for taking time for us. We look forward to your call tonight on the Pac-12 Networks with Matt. It's good to hear your voice again. Thanks for joining us on the show. Yeah, I hope to get up to Corvallis and see you guys soon. Be well. Thanks, Darren. Darren Sutton, Matt Muehlbach, the broadcast team, both very good, Johnny. Yeah, really good. Very, very nice. And and um, got to be tough for him. He he did say they knew for a year, so yeah. not not a shock. But uh, good questions. I'm glad you you took over on that one because you know you you can't get the son of a Hall of Famer on and not ask him about it. It had been, I had seen quotes and stories from him that I felt like it wasn't territory that we couldn't venture down. Right, you know, he, right. 
I, I know he, he knows, as, as difficult as it may be, that it comes with his, his territory, and I think he's honored to talk about his dad. But I loved his, you know, going to the ballpark, here's $5, eat Dodger yeah, dogs, yeah. run around the stadium all day. And he's right, even then into the 70s. I mean, I told you about getting out of the traffic, going to the All-Star game in 67, and saying, Dad, yeah. the traffic's too bad. I don't want to miss the first pitch. I'm jumping out here. We're about Disney. Heck, we were at Disneyland a mile and a half away. Traffic bad. And I'll meet you at the seats. He hands me my ticket. And I just run on ahead by myself, <laughs> nine years old, into Angel Stadium. Did you just follow the line of cars? Yeah, just kind of weave my way through around. And I'm running ahead, waving at the cars. Look at me. You're still there. I'm going. <laughs> and Dad let me out. And, and just Different hearing time. Darren talk about, you know, running around by himself all through Dodger Stadium. It's unthinkable to it you is. and me. It is. And the one thing I love to hear stories about, and it, there's not too many athletes, and Nolan Ryan, and there's a few others where they play so long, I mean, Tom Brady, that their kids become teenagers <laughs> right. and can watch it and, and talk at school about their dad or, or hear negative stuff. Well, your dad really stunk it up last <laughs> night. How about him saying... Three years before I was born, and then I'm 18. He's still winning games in the big leagues. It is incredible. Our thanks to Darren and Matt for joining us. Hadley Heck and some open phones next hour. Roll tape, please. Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me? We're on in five. And QID. 1240 Joe Radio. I'm Jim Chesko with your Money Now. Stocks are mostly lower today, led by blue chips. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 100 points. The S&P 500 is lower by just five. The Nasdaq, right now, up 10 points. With the pandemic having taken a big bite out of beer sales at bars and restaurants, Heineken says it will cut about 8,000 jobs, or 10% of its global workforce. The brewer, through the restructuring, is aiming to save $2.4 billion over the next three years. The beer industry is struggling as Americans drink less alcohol, or when they do drink, turn to spirits, craft beers, or ready-to-drink products like hard seltzer. U.S. oil prices lost ground today, snapping an eight-session winning streak. March crude fell 44 cents to settle at 58.24 a barrel. Netflix has acquired the rights to sell all 22 books of Redwall, an award-winning fantasy series by English writer Brian Jacques. Netflix will produce an animated film based on the first book of the series, as well as develop an animated series about one of the characters. That's your money now. I struggled with symptoms like frequent gas and stomach pain for years. I was bloated all the time with daily diarrhea. At first, I thought it was what I was eating. I kept thinking it was stomach issues. So I did my research and talked to my doctor, and we finally uncovered the truth. It It was was actually EPI. Exocrine pancreatic insufficiency, or EPI, is a condition where your pancreas is unable to help break down your food. It can lead to symptoms like diarrhea, gas, bloating, stomach pain, unexplained weight loss, and oily stools. And EPI symptoms can be confused with those of other common digestive conditions like irritable bowel syndrome, Crohn's, and celiac disease. So getting to the right diagnosis meant being more open with my doctor about the severity of my symptoms and how often they were happening. But there's good news. EPI is manageable, so don't wait any longer. Use the symptom checker at identifyepi.com and schedule a visit or call with your doctor to ask, Could Could I I have have EPI? For auto glass solutions, better call a glass man. Call 541 
760-2277. Call the Glassman. Hi, this is Jake the Glassman. Come see me at my new location at 3335 Ferry Street Southwest in Albany or give me a call. For auto glass solutions, better call the Glassman. Call 541-760-2277. Call the Glassman. Looking for something really special for Valentine's? Donabella Fine Lingerie in Corvallis has 20% off all panties. At Donabella, you'll find lasting and treasured gifts like beautiful sleepwear, cozy robes, and fabulous lingerie for your Valentine. Top it all off with jewelry to make her glitter or lotions to soothe her skin. Donabella Fine Lingerie in Corvallis has 20% off all panties just in time for Valentine's Day. Gift certificates and free gift wrapping. Donabella on 2nd Street in Corvallis. Hi, I'm Matt Vaskersian with another little-known legend of sports. Politicians occasionally run unopposed, but you'd think that wouldn't be the case with thoroughbred horses. Yet in 1980, that's exactly what happened at the prestigious Woodward Stakes at Belmont Park. The overwhelming pre-race favorite was Spectacular Bid, a dominating colt that had 25 wins in 29 races. Spectacular Bid, in fact, was so intimidating that his competitors in the field began dropping out one by one. So when post-time finally rolled around, there were no opponents remaining. A walkover was ordered for the first time in 31 years. The horse simply has to walk or run around the course to be declared the winner. And so with Willie Shoemaker aboard, Spectacular Bid was the only thoroughbred to run in the 1980 Woodward Stakes. Needless to say, there was no wagering on the race, but still it was one of those rare occasions when the race and the victory lap were one and the same. With another little-known legend of sports, I'm Matt Vaskersian. Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Okay, set it down over there and then go to Bay 5. Indeed knows unexpected growth can stretch your business thin. We need to keep going to finish. Like Amir's warehouse. To expand capacity, he needs to get started hiring right, right away. I need Indeed. Indeed you do. And the moment you sponsor a job on Indeed, you get a short list of quality candidates from our resume database. Visit Indeed.com slash credit and get a $75 credit for your first sponsored job post. Terms and conditions apply. The Joe Beaver Show is on the air. Try to remember. As we try to recall how things used to be. The Beavers have recovered a fumble on a flea flicker attempt. Yesterday, all my troubles seem so far away. We seek to come to grips with the current state of affairs. Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Strange days indeed. Strange days indeed. All the while, the Things could be better than they were today. As we wait, we invite you to join us for another run of the Joe Beaver Show, where our hearts always remain hopeful. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun. 
John and Mike on the Joe Beaver Show on 1240 Joe Radio. Well, I didn't mean to fall asleep, but I did. <laughs> when did you J- fall Jayhawkers. Asleep? Oh, yeah. Really, I loved it because a little bit of entertainment. It's, it's uh, one of those um, movies that you come across that are uh, low budget, but not bad. Just right. low budget. Mm-hmm. But I like learning from it. I like learning. I knew nothing, really, about Wilt Chamberlain before the NBA, uh, virtually nothing. And, you know, you hear about Fog Allen, Allen Fieldhouse, right. and all that, but just putting it all in perspective, so whenever these, these uh, biopics come on, w- no matter how bad they are, I, I love them because it's an entertaining way of learning history, assuming that they're accurate. Um, and so this one came on, and like you said, the very first shots of this movie are, are James Naismith, telling Fog Allen, a young Fog Allen who just played in this game in 1904, I think it was, and they're in this, what looks like a barn. It's very small, very small area, and the, the, the court that they're on looked like not even a court, but just like a an open space in the barn with people sitting around it. Now, you noticed, did you notice the chicken wire that was I around did. it? Because back then, and this has been a little-known legends of sports, they called them cagers because they put uh, they put wire around them, and there were other reasons. I think the wire was bigger than chicken wire, but anyway, it was there was that they had a net, but the net had was closed, so the guy had to poke the ball out each time. And then here you have a young Fog Allen saying, "I want to coach. We could have been better, and 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 we could have won this game." And they don't even <laughs> dribble the ball; they show him literally just throwing it to each other and then shooting it. Mm-hmm. Um, after a lot of passing. After around. a lot of passing. Mm-hmm. Nothing, nothing like the game today. And then you, then they cut to the scene at the end of the game when Naismith is, is clearing things out, sweeping, putting chairs away, saying, you will waste your time. He said something about a clown show, a, a circus show of, uh, of a game. He goes, this is just a game for fun, game for exercise. Be played for fun. Yeah. yeah. And Fog Allen was like, no, they had a better coach and we we can do better. <laughs> right. And then they flash forward to when he's 70 years old in 1954, I think it was. And his team is playing and they're, you know, he's a legendary coach and he's got all these wins. Now, I have to ask you a question. Was he forced out because of a, a mandatory age retirement restriction or know. because they only hinted there were there were. Two scenes that I can remember in the movie. Again, it's, it was low budget. Yes. But there were two scenes in this movie. It's called Jayhawkers. And by the way, it's found on Amazon is where yeah. I found it. And they were very slight. There was a scene when he was at the chalkboard doing some X's and O's. And a couple of the players were giggling. And he turned and you know, said, you got something to laugh about? And he says, well, coach, you have too many O's. <laughs> and so he sheepishly erased one hinting at memory loss oh oh so that wasn't done in a humorous <laughs> no way. no he was beginning to lose some of his well that's what the idea that you powers. were given again low budget yeah then there was another scene where he was smoking a cigarette after he had been unceremoniously well it was ceremoniously but after he had been um, forced to retire against his his will 
he was at the the, the outside of the, the arena when they were playing a game because he couldn't take it anymore listening to it on the radio. He was mm-hmm. too upset. And they show a scene where he's out in the parking lot and he throws his cigarette into his car and his car catches on fire. Mm. He doesn't realize it until he comes back out and the car's already been engulfed in flames. Mm. Those are the only two things that hinted at early onset uh, dementia or anything. That's why I was wondering... Why did he, the, the the athletic director, they had just gotten Wilt Chamberlain. He just finished his freshman year. He's about to be eligible for varsity. They're going to win the whole thing. And the, this yeah. legendary coach known countrywide, Fog Allen, is forced by the young um, athletic director or president, mm-hmm. whoever it was, to retire. And he said, I don't want to retire. What You're making me do this. So I wasn't sure if that was some kind of a forced retirement. I don't for age. know. I do not know Fog Allen's biography. And then I thought, well, didn't Ralph have to go retire because of uh, he didn't hitting a to. certain age? He no, didn't. He okay. didn't have to. I thought I had heard he that. He chose to when he did. Yeah. The, but isn't it amazing now? As we head into the second hour, we have open phones. If you have any reaction with the lines open, <laughs> the downward dog sports line to either Matt Muehlbach or Darren Sutton joining us. We have uh, the University on a text line, always at your disposal, 497-5356. We'd love to get your thoughts on whatever may be on your mind. The last hour this week, any lingering thoughts from Super Bowl 55? I was a guest yesterday on Sirius XM Satellite Radio with Sean O'Connell and Jeff Schwartz. And Jeff helped put my mind to rest. Jeff, the former offensive lineman in his own right, Broke down. He said he's watched Super Bowl 55 many times. Mm -hmm. And he said it was kind of a systemic breakdown on the offensive line. But he told me on the show, because that was my only question. The only thing that on my mind, you want to talk Arizona Beavers, we will. You want to, they wanted to talk about state of the program with Jonathan Smith and football. We did the new research project. We did. We talked, but I said, the thing I want to come away with today, Jeff, tell me, just tell me it wasn't all Mike Remmers. He said, absolutely not. (laughs) Thank you. In fact, he said, if anything, Mike played probably better than anybody else, but but the shifting around and, and all of that just created across-the-board problems for Mahomes. And he gave all the credit in the world to Todd Bowles and Tampa Bay for a plan and showing things that they hadn't shown before. Mm-hmm. The way they went about their game plan was masterful and put Mahomes in difficulty throughout the day that he said wasn't surprising given you've lost both your starting tackles and have moved people around. It was not going to be the best possible outcome. For well, I'm glad he confirmed Chiefs. that about Remmers because uh, all last week there wasn't there, there just hasn't been any mention of any individual names. Right. No, there have Like, so, yeah, kind of there was in the... Right. Now, there was before... Carolina Super Bowl. Yes, where he was specifically yeah. pointed out as yeah. having gotten yeah. beaten a number of times in one-on-one matchups and so on. That Haven't heard that. I think Mike acquitted himself well under the circumstances, yeah. shifting. And Jeff talked about that's not an easy shift to make. He did it in his career. Uh, played at Oregon. We reminisced about 50-21. to 21. Bill Swan cut fake field goal, <laughs> catching a pass. Derek, He said, Derek Anderson lit us up. I said, yeah. He said, I don't remember the score. I supplied it 50-21, to 21, Beavs. I'm sure he appreciated and, yeah, no, that. I said, yeah, yeah, thanks a lot. I mean, it was a fun conversation to have. But if there's anything you want to share along any of those lines, jump in. The thing that's fascinating to me, what you bring up, having watched Jayhawkers, and I have not seen it from start to finish. You've yeah. seen more of it. I, I, I just fell asleep two-thirds of the way in. But 
Ralph gets mentioned in yeah, the, in, the, yeah. in the show. He's yeah, there's actually a, mentioned by Fog Allen by name. After Fog Allen was forced to retire, and then his assistant, and I can't remember who, who the guy was, he takes over, and he's not bad, um, but he's different than Fog Allen. And Allen just, he couldn't take it. He, he wanted to be coaching so bad. His wife would, would tell him, you know, go, go walk around the block or something. And, and it wasn't from a competitive nature. It was because he wanted to be there. And he didn't think that his assistant, they didn't really get along that much, they showed in that one year. So he, he and his wife were at some alumni meeting in a, a, a restaurant somewhere. And people were gathered. And I don't know, it, they, they made it seem like they were kind of surprise guests or there because the alumni director says, all right, well, welcome to the Kansas Basketball Alumni Association or whatever it was. And, oh, and he goes, oh, oh, my goodness. Well, we have our own Coach Allen is here. Well, Coach, maybe you'd come up and say a few words. And so I don't think it was planned. At least they were portraying it as a surprise. So he gets up and he starts talking and he was he couldn't help himself. He could not help himself, and he just said, "Well, I'll tell you what. I, I just, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I, I, I'd like to be out there coaching, and and uh, coach so and so's doing doing okay, but he, he's not the coach that I would have chosen. Yeah. And right around that time, they show the current coach and his wife coming to the event, <laughs> and they're in a far corner of the room door, and Fog Allen doesn't see him, and he, he goes on and on, and he says, and this was cool. He says, he says, you know, I." Quite honestly, if I had to go, I'd really like to have seen Ralph Miller get the job. <laughs> and I thought, wow, yeah, right. that's pretty cool that, that someone wrote that in, that yes. there was a writer that got that information from someone, mm-hmm. that if he actually said that, that was really cool. And then, um, um, of course, it was awkward because he, he sees him and tries to backpedal, and it was horrible. <laughs> anyway, in the end... My wife finished her work because her day stops at 4.30. She came in to watch it with me, and I'm sitting there, and right around this time of day, I can barely keep my eyes open, so I fell asleep. She kept watching to the end through the credits. So I wake up, and she goes, oh, my gosh, Ralph Miller got all kinds of credit in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, well, they went through all the different people at the end where they write you know, what happened to them, and she said Ralph Miller you know, got a really long, good good paragraph of of stuff and Ralph character there was no Ralph Miller character in the movie no save for that line but I thought yeah and then that line was in that that's pretty cool and she asked me goes where did he come from I said well Wichita State and Iowa before that and um grew up in Kansas and mm-hmm. um, played in Kansas for Fog p- Allen in Kansas be, yeah just think about life if Fog <laughs> Allen had gotten his way yeah. instead of I think I've looked back I think it was Dick Harp Dick Harp. Yeah, that's right. Dick Harp was that's the right. successor. Right. But Fogg is saying, if I would have had my way, Ralph Miller would have gotten the job. <laughs> yeah. Who knows how life plays oh, out? Man. Ralph would have coached Wilt. Yeah. It, it just, it's probably one of those things that had that happened, Ralph never gets here. The, the steps that one takes. If he becomes the head coach at Kansas, he might have been another Fog Allen and coach 50 years. Yeah, that's that's true. Maybe. Except for the anecdote that Ralph's wife, when they went to Hawaii, said, I, I can't take it anymore. Find a job where it doesn't that's snow. true, but that was partly because Hawaii was on the schedule and they may not have gone <laughs> and she, she may not have seen what well, life that's... was like in Paris. How are you going to keep them down on the farm <laughs> after they've been to the tropics? I don't know. Yeah. She didn't see. I just, I'm saying... Ralph doesn't coach at Oregon State if Fog Allen would have gotten his way. Yeah, and yeah, that's not a stretch. Passed. That's not a stretch. And it's just weird how things happen. And then all just how close everything is, and even Darren alluded to it, the family that we're all in in this life and sport. Yeah. 
I mean, I'm talking to him about somebody that I saw before Darren was born. Yeah. And then he, Dar- and so he talked, Darren recognizes the, the, the incredible web that sports so creates. So you, you saw his dad pitch before Darren was born. Yes. Darren was born in 1969. Wow. And the first major league game I saw was in 1966. And Darren at 18, his dad's still pitching and winning games in the big And your league. first game you went to, Sutton was pitching? Sutton pitched against Gaylord Perry. And I remember remember the images of that night pretty vividly. Wow. So, Darren and Matt, kind enough to join us last hour. But Ralph Miller, here we are. <laughs> you know, Matt Muehlbach spoke of Ralph. We sp- he, you watched him in Jayhawkers. Yeah. His connection, the connections to the game and the web of sport. It's is amazing. fascinating to me that, you know, that Ralph heard Dr. Naismith speak, that he was coached by Ralph. Uh, by uh, Fog Allen, mm-hmm. was this close perhaps to being the guy to get the Kansas job and then coach Wilt, and you wonder if he would have coached Wilt instead of Dick Harp. Maybe Wilt wins two championships at Kansas and his yeah. legacy's different. Maybe he's even a slightly different player having played for the the, the fundamental genius that Ralph was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's just who knows how all life would have played out. Just one little thing goes a different way. Yeah, it, it's it's fun to watch. Uh, I'll tell you that it was upsetting. It was very upsetting to see how what Wilt had to go through and what all the African American players had to go through during that time period. I mean, we've seen it. We've grown up with with lessons and 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 movies, but just seeing it play out. I mean, when he goes into a restaurant and he's not even thinking about it, like like today, and he sits down and the the waitress won't serve him and says, "You got to go back to the kitchen." That was bad enough, but then the the owner or whoever, some man with a tie on, comes out back and and the way he talked to him was so demeaning and so rude, like not even rude, more aggressive, like get get out of here. I just thought if he could stand up and just pulverize the guy, but he couldn't, and awful, just awful. And yeah. he was thinking because Fog Allen told him that that if he came out to Kansas. Because yeah. he had already eliminated all the southern schools. Right. So he thought, well, if you come to Kansas, that won't be a problem. And that just wasn't it, true. It was not the case. Let's take a break, Doc. I think we may get a, sort of an impromptu visit from Jocelyn Tinkle. Just ahead of a conversation with Hadley Heck. But Trace made his professional debut last night. I'm sure that Jocelyn and Wayne and the whole family were watching. I think Joss can give us a review of of Trace playing alongside GP2 again. They're both pros down in the bubble in Orlando. So I think Jocelyn is going to join us here in just a moment on 1240 Joe Radio. Trump's Hobbies has been serving the area since 1972 and is a proud supporter of schools, clubs, and groups throughout the Mid-Valley. Trump says the area's largest selection of radio-controlled cars, boats, airplanes, and helicopters, plus drones, plastic models, model trains, fantasy games, collector cards, and modeling tools, parts, paints, and supplies. Whether you're an experienced modeler or just starting out, Trump's is there to help. Build it. Drive it. Fly it. Trump's Hobbies in the Timber Hill Shopping Center in Corvallis, bringing enjoyment to life. Tick Liquor Firearms in South Corvallis and Salem is open Monday through Saturday from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. At Tick Liquor Firearms, find guns, outdoor gear, guns, ammo, and more guns. Buy, sell, or trade new and used. Tick Liquor also offers consignment and layaway options. 
Also ask about their monthly CHL classes. Come check out Tick Liquor Firearms on Southwest 3rd and Corvallis and on Southeast Commercial in Salem. View their inventory and shop online at TickLiquorFirearms.com. Trace comes inside, lays it in, and counts his foul. Your tax and wealth management coaches, Paul Witzke, David Mendenhall, Bill Heck, and Robert Berry are ready to put you in the game. Perhaps you're looking to save money for your kids' college, start your retirement, or need business coaching. Tax and wealth management has what you need to execute that game plan into a victory. With 40 years in business, tax and wealth management in Corvallis has the strategy you need for tax planning and saving for your financial future. Visit taxandwealthmanagement.com or call 541 34185 to get in the game. If your RV or trailer is sitting in storage or out in the rain this winter, let Guarantee pay you cash for your rig. Cash for Campers means no more storage and no more worries. My name is Bo and I live in Cottage Grove. Cash for Campers put over $10,000 in my pocket. We were waiting until summer to sell our trailer, but Guarantee gave us cash right now. Guarantee will give you $500 if we can't beat any Oregon dealer's written offer on your late model RV in good condition. My name is Jessica and I live in Springfield. Thanks to Guarantee, we know no longer have a monthly storage bill and we have more than enough money to remodel our kitchen. Trailers, fifth wheels, toy haulers, motorhomes, they all qualify for cash for campers. I'm Paul. Uh, We've been stuck at home for about nine months now. Guarantee made it really easy for us. No hassles. They came and picked up our fifth wheel at our house and delivered our check. Text RV for me to 55678 for special offers or visit Guarantee.com. That's RV, the number four, me to 55678. Guarantee RV is here to help you put cash in your pocket. Hey, Beaver Nation, this is Mike Parker. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games. Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barbers. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis, the Barbers, where I go and guys go for great cuts. We set them up, you knock them down. Island Bowl, family entertainment for young and old. Clean and friendly, that's Highland Bowl. Bring your part and let the good times roll. Great food, good fun, that's Highland Bowl. We set them up, you knock them down. Highland Bowl, North 9th Street, Corvallis. Yes. There we go. There we go. Welcome back to the Joe Beaver Show. Beaver uh, basketball tonight, and that game is underway at 4.30 with your call, Michael. 5 o'clock tip-off from McHale Center. Our previous guests will be on site tonight. I like to hear that. And uh, they'll be broadcasting from McHale Center tonight. Um, Sans any fans, of course. Whether we, you know, Jocelyn and I have been... uh, jostling for position on the Joe Bieber show the last few minutes. Whether she calls us back or whether we connect with her, she's a working person. She's working, but we've gone back and forth. Did you see Trace? How did he play? You know, can you jump on just suddenly impromptu? You know, just give us a call, break it down. She may call here in the next couple of minutes. She may not. I don't know. But if she does, we'll just put her on the air and have her go on Trace's professional debut, you broke it down this morning. I was listening to you on the Clue Morning Update, and here's what you wrote up, and it captures a lot of good stuff. Trace Tinkle, Oregon State's all-time leading scorer, and Kyler Kelly, the school's career shot-blocking king, 
made their NBA G League debuts in Orlando last night. Tinkle four points, an assist, and a steal in nine minutes. His teammate, GP2, this looks, what a typical GP2 line. How about that? <laughs> in 23 minutes, Gary, eight points, six rebounds, seven assists. I mean, he fills he it always, up. He always fills it up. By the way, the credit court. to Nick Daschle on that. And Nick, on his tweet, uh, embedded some tweets of highlights, so I got to see uh, a little bit of Kyler's blocks. Three blocks for Kyler. Yeah, one of them was was kind of a highlight deal. He he starts two, and just a great great job by both of those guys. And you know, Drew Eubanks is on the bench with San Antonio and routinely gets in games and is getting anywhere from three to ten minutes in the, in the games that I've been uh, watching. So that's good news. It's good news for Trace and Gary to be back together again. Did I, yeah. I think I told you, did I tell you on the air about how Trace and Gary were playing each other in practice and how one of the scouts said after GP2 hit a three, which really isn't his deal. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. You got, Somebody said you got to get out and cover that. You got to cover these shooters. And Trace was giving it the, well, I kind of think, you know, I know what I'm doing in the sense of, well, a teammate and a friend of Gary's, but also competing against him in a scrimmage. On a certain level, if GP2, and I hope to heaven he hits a lot of threes and becomes a Mm -hmm. serviceable to good perimeter shooter and outside shooter, but you and I both know that that's not what his game is built. If he works and works at it, just as Trace was told when he dipped his toes in before coming back, Get better, you know. Shoot, be become right. a better shooter, a better uh, three point shooter. Right. He missed his only three point attempt last night, but Trace will take that to heart, as will Gary, and work on in every aspect of his game. Gary, through sheer tenacity on defense and length and quickness and athletic ability, has already had some NBA run, and will get mm-hmm. will get more. Toronto's an interesting team in the league this year. From what I understand, they're going to be playing the rest of their season yeah. down in Tampa. Yeah. But, and that's neither here nor there with respect to the proximity of Trace and GP2. But that might mean Toronto people will, you know, they, not that they wouldn't get their looks and reports and so on, yeah, but they, they but, might facilitate a little bit more of a, a sense of getting to see Trace and GP2 play a little bit more in person, perhaps, than otherwise. Yeah, yeah, I hope so. With the operation moving. I feel like, though, it, it, are we. Are we getting dangerously close to too many years for GP2? Not quite yet, given his springy athletic nature. You know what I'm saying? I think yeah. he's young. He's a, Whatever his age is, he's young for that age, I believe. I think he's still got a lot of years left to to improve the offensive part of the game that requires being able to be at least somebody you got to guard at the perimeter. And that was almost Trace's... Deal. Gary did hit a three, and mm-hmm. somebody, ah, you got to get out. Trace was almost, in a sense, well, it's, if he makes one, he thinks he'll make another one. <laughs> yeah. I, I know what I'm up to here. Yeah, I, You would rather have him take that shot than, than drive you yeah. or attack the glass in an offensive rebound situation. Well, uh, I, I, there, there comes a point in sports where you get this feeling that if the experts aren't giving you a shot right now, when are they going right. to? And I, I fear that. That's why it, it seems a little bit more 
I mean, I could be wrong on this, but it seems a little bit more solid to be a Drew Eubanks oh, on the yeah. bench. Yes. Every game you're playing, you're on the roster, and you're getting three to ten a night. Yes. Yeah. Then clearly. battling your way through the G League, get up, stick for a couple of weeks, and then get put back down. No question about that. Drew Drew has worked his way into a good situation in that light. Better to be, I mean. Better to be a role player occasionally playing in an NBA game and getting some decent run in some games yeah. in the NBA on an NBA bench than right. starting and playing a lot of minutes right. in the G and, League. I understand. And I, I think, too, here's what's interesting. You've got GP2, who I think is one of the best players to come through Oregon State. He was so fun to watch. His lines were great. Great defender, steals, all of that. And here's a guy who... Barely starts the game in small town Oregon, but he's seven feet tall and fast and just has this brain for being able to block shots. It could be that Kyler Kelly gets up to the big leagues and he sticks could. for a longer amount of time yeah. only because of his his position. His position and that unique skill set, the body, yeah. the jumping ability to be able to go fly swat just go shots. Block shots yeah. in the NBA and, and harder to be a, a perimeter player. We will break and come back with Hadley Heck. If Jocelyn calls a little later before the hour is over, we'll take her call and have her break down what Trace and GP2 and and in their debut together last night as pros, teammates again, but getting paid for it down in Orlando in the G League bubble. But up next, a local story. I love stories like this. Hadley Heck, Crescent Valley High School, uh, has a job at KVAL in television, has an eye towards being involved in sports. She's doing news now. She was here in Albany yesterday doing a story on Roger Nyquist and uh, moving the, the risk level changing in Lynn County. She's on feature stories now, but I think we're going to see a lot of Hadley in the, in the days to come. She joins us next on 1240 Joe Radio. Hey, Beaver fans. Over the past several months, we all have come together to help each other in this COVID struggle. But would you know how to help a family member or a coworker in the time of an emergency? Hi, I'm Todd Washington, owner of CPR Works, where we teach people the skills to help someone in the time of an emergency. I am currently holding both virtual and in-person classes for CPR and first aid. For more information or to schedule a class, contact me at CPR-Works.com. Go Beavs! This is Mike Parker for Evenflow Plumbing, your trusted award-winning plumber for the Mid-Valley. Evenflow specializes in complete plumbing and drain cleaning solutions for residential and commercial jobs. They treat your home like it's their home, and their flat rate pricing means no surprises at the end of the job. Evenflow takes pride in doing the job right the first time. Just call 541-738-8853 for all your plumbing needs. When you need a pro, go with the flow. Evenflow Plumbing. Hi, I'm former Oregon State athlete Tim Ewis, your Corvallis Edward Jones financial advisor. Financial investments are very important, but so are the investments of time, patience, and encouragement our young athletes receive from their coaches, teachers, and mentors. That's why Edward Jones is a proud sponsor of Oregon State and area high school sports. Call me, Tim Ewis, at 541-758-8245 or stop by my office in the Timber Hill Shopping Complex in Corvallis for all of your investment needs. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC. Go Beavs! It's time to do a little top drawer housekeeping. Time to get rid of all those stretched out bras and ill-fitting undies. To help, Donna Bella Fine Lingerie and Comfort Wear in Corvallis is having a panties sale. All panties are 20% off from now through Valentine's Day. Donna Bella is open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 until 5, with professional bra fittings during regular hours. 
Donabella Fine Lingerie and Comfort Wear at the north end of 2nd Street, downtown Corvallis. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that the one you care about is expecting a thoughtful gift this Valentine's Day, and they're ready to help safely deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer's wide selection of Valentine's Day flower arrangements, and they'll safely deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time so you can show them just how special you'd like them to feel this February 14th. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of holiday arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. H&R Block has many options to make filing your taxes easy. Our tax pros can help you get your max refund with or without the office visit. Drop in, drop off, or a tax pro can even do your taxes virtually. Send some pics from your phone without leaving home. Just another way, Block has your back. All tax situations are different. Not everyone gets a refund. This is Serena from your local H&R Block. Last year was full of surprises and tax prep shouldn't be. Visit one of our local six offices today. Don't forget about our Philomath office next to Safeway and the Sunset Shopping Center. Book your appointment today and let us get your maximum refund. Hey, Beaver Nation, this is Mike Parker. I want to talk about my experience at the Barbers in Corvallis. Rachel at the Barbers has been cutting what hair I have for many years. Not only do I get a great haircut, but also a hot leather neck shave, a shampoo and scalp massage, a soothing neck and shoulder massage, free popcorn and soda, a TV at every station to watch all the games. Discover for yourself why over 2,000 guys a month go to the Barbers. Check them out on 9th Street in Corvallis, the Barbers, where I go and guys go for great cuts. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. Jocelyn Tinkle has checked in. She'll have a few minutes after our next conversation. We'll get just a quick review. want Jocelyn to put on her analyst cap and break down her brother's game, as, the, as well as that of GP2 from the G League and the bubble in Orlando. That'll be coming up a little bit later to help us close the show. But as we continue on this Thursday afternoon, it is a true pleasure to welcome in our next guest. I was so thrilled to see some tweets recently from our next guest, Hadley Heck, about an opportunity that's come her way at KVAL on television down the road in Eugene. But Hadley is a Crescent Valley High School graduate. She played volleyball at Portland State and then went to the Cronkite School of Journalism at Arizona State and has gotten a very good gig uh, out of the gate, essentially, in her career at KVAL, a, a launching point for many outstanding careers in uh, television. And Hadley is kind enough to join us today on the Joe Beaver Show. Hadley, congratulations to you, and thanks for taking time for us. How are you? Hi, Mike. Thanks so much for having me on. I appreciate it. I'm doing well. How are you? Well, Hadley, con- doing well, too, and just proud of you. You know, I mean, as John and I both, I mean, the Heck family in this town is is one that all of us know and have appreciated for a long time. And so we've kind of seen you and Will just grow up from little ones now into real grown-up people with jobs and so on. <laughs> Imagine it's Im- that. It's impressive. <laughs> so, Hadley, it's all gone very quickly from our perspective. But for you... Growing up in this community, beaver sports and the life of the beeves and all of that, I'm sure, has been very big to you. And in a sense, you get to come back home and go to work professionally. So congratulations. What are your thoughts about getting the job at KVAL based on where you grew up and the things you're familiar with? Yeah, it's it's been crazy. It, it, it went really fast to me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, the job at KVAL, it kind of came out of nowhere, but... So far, I've learned a lot. I've been on the job for almost a month now, and I've really learned so much from my colleagues. And just your first job is a huge learning point, you know. I think it's one of the hardest jobs to get, but it's a great place to start off. 
and like you said, a great launching point. So I'm really happy to be there. And I never thought I would live in Eugene. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> but your your work has already brought you up here a few times, right? You've done feet. Tell us what your exact role is and some of the stories you've done. I believe you've been to Reser to cover the, the vaccine clinics. You, you were up here yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, to talk to Roger Nyquist and file a story about the reopening of Lynn County. So tell us a little bit about what you've done so far and just what your job description is. Yeah. So I'm what's called an MMJ, which is a multimedia journalist. Um, and essentially, I'm just a broadcast reporter. And when I came up here, my first story at KVAL actually was at Reser, and it was the mass, mass vaccination clinic. Mm-hmm. And that was it was super surreal. I saw to stand up there for the show, and it was so, so surreal because I grew up, obviously, going to Beaver Games at Reser, and Gil was right there, and it was just a real full-circle moment. Um, and then after that, I came back again, and I covered the fire out of the co-op in mm-hmm, Southtown. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, that's right, I talked with uh, Roger Nyquist on, on Tuesday about Lynn County opening back up. And it was I talked with him, actually. He uh, was on the West Albany football staff years, and years ago when they beat Sherwood in the state championship. And I knew a handful of guys on that team at West Albany. So we joked about that and what a small world it is. It is really just crazy coming back home and now working in the media where I grew up. Well, congratulations, Hadley. It's a great story. I'm I'm wondering if you had early in your life aspirations to be in the career you're in now and when that sort of became something you were aspiring to. Yeah, it's funny you ask me that. I actually, at the 2007 College World Series, my brother was a bat boy, and my family went out there to watch the bees. And Aaron Andrews was covering the game. And I remember looking up at my mom and asking her what she was doing. I was 10 at the time. And my mom said she's working. She's a reporter for ESPN. And that was when I realized that, wow, I would love to do that. I'd love to tell stories and talk about sports and, you know, cover big events. And I continued to follow that throughout high school. I did a couple job shadows in college. I had a ton of internships. And then going on, you know, the Cronkite School and really diving deeper in journalism and getting my journalism degree really launched me. But I'd say I was pretty young when I realized that this is what I wanted to do. How was the uh, experience at Arizona State? I know we've heard of Washington State's program, USC, of course, and mm-hmm. and uh, even you know the, the written journalism school down the road. But what about uh, the broadcast school at Arizona State? Yeah, Cronkite was an amazing experience for me. So when I went to Portland State, my main focus was volleyball in my undergrad. But obviously knowing that I wanted to go into this, I kind of had my sights set on going to grad school, um, probably within my sophomore year of college. And so I knew that Cronkite had a specific sports journalism program, and that's how I kind of narrowed it down to knowing that I wanted to go to ASU school. Um, I could not speak highly enough of that program though uh it was an accelerated program so it was really only a year and i thought i knew about the media and i thought i knew a lot about journalism going in but they really opened my eyes to all the possibilities in media and the true ethics and understanding of journalism and it was a great experience i also interned in the athletic department at asu with their digital media team and that also taught me a lot and was a really cool opportunity to work more within athletics Hadley Heck joining us, KVAL television reporter. 
And Hadley, in terms of the, y- y- your initial inspiration, seeing Aaron in Omaha in 07, hey, I can do that. I'd like to do that. So maybe in your mind you've been thinking sports and, and sports journalism and being a reporter along those lines. Here you are getting this great job out of the gate in Eugene in news. So tell us a little bit. I don't think the KVAL people want to hear you say, well, I'm just looking for the first sports boat out of here. No, that's not the case. You're going to get some great experience. But is sports still something you hope at some point in your career to be to be heavily involved with? Yeah, I would say so. I mean, on a personal level, sports have always been just such a huge part of my life. I mean, growing up a kid around Oregon State and the influence that the Beavers have around the Corvallis community, that's been huge for me. And then pursuing my own athletic career in college. Um, and my family works in sports. I mean, my brother, my brother's a football coach. My dad has worked in sports. My grandpa was a football coach. And so I just couldn't really imagine not having sports be a part of my life. And like you mentioned, I'm covering news and everything right now, which is a great experience. And like I said, I've learned a lot. But mm-hmm. I think sports is always going to be a pretty pretty important thing to me and something I want to always pursue. And Hadley, the work in news, though, my sense is it's invaluable experience because you're going to branch out and diversify and learn and all of the skills you're learning journalistically now that you're applying now as a reporter for KVAL will come to play in a big way in sports. The two the two realms cross over all the time, right? I mean, you're so so the experience you're getting is going to serve you you know, if you become another Aaron Andrews or something else, the news experience, I would imagine you're already seeing how it's going to, to help your career. Absolutely. And, I mean, I, uh, I I never actually covered news until I got the job at KVAL. I'd always kind of focus, KVAL, I'd always kind of focus my experiences professionally around sports. The internships I have were, involved, were for sports, um, sports shows or mm-hmm. sport athletic departments. And I'd never really even thought about covering news. And then the job at KVAL just ended up being the right fit at the right time. And so it's been a huge learning experience. And my first live shot at KVAL was the co-op fire. And I thought about the parallels between that and a live shot, like on a football sideline mm-hmm. or something. And you just you have to be able to think on your feet regardless of what you're covering. So learning these tools from a news perspective will only translate and help me with the sports career moving forward. No doubt, no doubt. And you 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 talk about your family. Your mom, Annie, is an outstanding journalist in her own right. Did you grow up in a home where where her her writing ability, you were an English major. I mean, it looks like you've had kind of an eye and a mind towards communicating and writing and reading and and reading the stuff your mom has done. I mean, was she in that sense an influence on you as well? Yeah, my mom my mom is quite quite the impressive woman um she's always been a huge inspiration to me and she actually has a journalism degree as well um so she's she's always just been a huge influence and inspiration really i cannot speak highly enough of her and i I can always count on her to edit my work or help (laughs) me rephrase something and i i could not be more thankful for all her help and her guidance along the way do you have just to think about sports and its place in your life you grew it's you probably can't remember a time when Reeser and Gill and the Beavers weren't part of it do you have a couple of favorite memories or two in Omaha at Reeser in Gill at Goss I mean are there any things that come to mind for you and your life growing up in the community 
Yes, absolutely. I'd say probably my youngest memories. I remember doing um, the Oregon State Dance and Cheer halftime shows at Gill. Hmm. Um, they were little clinics that they put on for the young kids. And I participated in those when I was, I don't know, probably four or five years old. And then from there, my brother was a bat boy for the baseball team, um, I think in 06 and 07. And we fought, we followed the team to Omaha and the Omaha Zoo and Rosenblatt and winning the World Series. That's a huge one. Also, I grew up going to camps over the summer, volleyball camps um, in Gill, mm-hmm. tailgates at Reeser. I have countless memories of Oregon State Athletics and Beaver games. And I'm ex- I know I'm happy to be back here because I know I'm get to make some more. Yeah, absolutely. Hadley, final couple of things. We really are proud of you and appreciate you taking time for us. How do you do you brainstorm with your staff at KVAL about ideas? These are feature stories. They're news, hard news stories and so on. Are you expected to generate stuff? What's next? Are you working on anything in particular now? Can Maybe take us behind closed doors a little bit. How the stories and how assignments are, that you get early on in your career? Yeah. We have a morning meeting every day um, where we break down kind of news of the day and what's going on in the community and um, the market we cover. And depending on those assignments, us reporters, we also pitch our own stories for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of rank those in importance and divvy them up and then get started with the day. Uh, listen to everything that Dave Walker tells you to do. <laughs> David Walker, he's awesome. Yeah. I love working with David. He's a friend of mine and one of the nicest human beings in the world. Hadley, yeah. it's it's yeah. it's really, you, you look comfortable. I've seen stories. That first live shot, were you nervous? It didn't appear so, but I'm just wondering how... You know, you apply the skills you've learned, your own ability to communicate, to, to be on your feet and talk. Ha, has any of this been kind of, oh, my gosh, this is really happening type moments, or you feel pretty comfortable so far? Yeah, I was absolutely nervous for the live <laughs> shot. Um, I, I probably did a practice run with uh, the photographer I was out there with about five times before mm-hmm. uh, the producer in my ear told me I was live. Um, I, I froze up, I'd say, within the first five seconds, but I turned it around and recovered and got through it. But it's, it's kind of, it's just so cliche, but it's like athletics, you know, you just got to get the job done and try to find a way to perform. So it's, it's been a lot of fun, but I, I definitely have been nervous. Yes. Well, <laughs> you're doing a great job, Hadley, and congratulations on getting back home for your first job. Maybe not exactly what you had thought it might be, but it's going to serve you very well. You're doing a great job in these early days with it. Thanks for coming back here on the Joe Beaver Show, saying hello to everybody here. And I know you've got a lot of friends in this town that you grew up in. It's great to have you back in the vicinity and in the neighborhood. Congratulations and thanks for taking time for us. Thank you so much. You guys take care. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Hadley. Hadley Hadley Heck, KVAL reporter, daughter of Bill and Annie and brother of Will and lifelong Beaver fan living in Eugene. (laughs) that's okay that'll come through at some point in her life it has already what a great experience too to play volleyball at portland state go down to uh, arizona state get get some uh, education there and working in the athletic department that's a lot she's packed in yeah i mean getting a lot of different perspectives as far as pac-12 sports go we will break and come back and get a synopsis or review of Trace and GP2 back together again in a bubble in Orlando, Florida, next on 1240 Joe Radio. Did you know that the Natty Dresser is the area's premier suit and tuxedo provider? 
We have a nice selection of suits in stock from Hart Schaffner Marks and Baroni Couture. We are also the area's expert tuxedo and suit rental shop. We can fit guys from 5T to size 60 long. Weddings, proms, and business interviews. We are here for all the important moments of your life. The Natty Dresser, purveyors of quality menswear, open Monday through Saturday at our new location on the corner of 2nd and Broad Alban in the heart of historic downtown Albany. Double your stimulus check at Garrity, locally owned Chevrolet. This is Shannon Nill. For over 50 years, our family business has depended on your loyalty. And now we want to give back to the community that's always supported us. Shop from a huge selection of pre-loved cars, trucks, and SUVs. When you find the right vehicle for your lifestyle, use your stimulus check as a down payment and we'll double it. Shop local, get the vehicle of your dreams, and double your stimulus check. That's only at Garrity in Junction City. Max match of $600 per vehicle. Angry Beaver Grill is open for covered and heated outdoor dining as well as dinner-to-go orders Tuesday through Sunday. Get the favorites including Angry Beaver's Reuben and French Dip Sandwiches, Burgers, Tacos, and the Gables Recipe Chicken Bisque Soup and Garlic Croutons. And don't miss Angry Beaver's Friday and Saturday night famous Gables Smoked Ribeye Steak Dinner Special. Angry Beaver Grill open Tuesday through Sunday from 3 p.m. to 9 p.m. for covered and heated outdoor dining in the back of the restaurant and for carryout on 4th Street in downtown Corvallis. Angry Beaver, thank you for your support. Corvallis. This is Mike Parker for Evenflow Plumbing, your trusted award-winning plumber for the Mid-Valley. Evenflow specializes in complete plumbing and drain cleaning solutions for residential and commercial jobs. They treat your home like it's their home, and their flat rate pricing means no surprises at the end of the job. Evenflow takes pride in doing the job right the first time. Just call 541-738-8853 for all your plumbing needs. When you need a pro, go with the flow. Evenflow Plumbing. Stargazer Premier Florist in Corvallis knows that the one you care about is expecting a thoughtful gift this Valentine's Day, and they're ready to help safely deliver them the best arrangement possible. Choose from Stargazer's wide selection of Valentine's Day flower arrangements, and they'll safely deliver a beautiful, unique gift right on time so you can show them just how special you'd like them to feel this February 14th. Stop in, call, or view Stargazer's selection of holiday arrangements online at StargazerPremierFlorist.com. Stargazer Premier Florist, 925 Northwest Circle Boulevard in Corvallis. We continue on the Joe Beaver Show. An impromptu guest, something we hadn't planned, but as we were looking over... We waylay people all the time. The story that you put together... Uh, about Trace and GP2 playing together last night. Kyler Kelly making his debut in the NBA G League bubble in Orlando. I thought uh, no one better than a member of the Tinkle family. Coach Tinkle and I spoke earlier today about the game tonight. Wayne and the Arizona Wildcats will will be on the air at 4.30, a 5.06 tip on the Beaver Sports Network. I'm sure Coach watched it. I'm sure the whole Tinkle family whole watched family. it. And let's uh, talk to Jocelyn about it, former Stanford grade and uh, has been a contributor so many times to the things we've done through the years on these shows. So, Jocelyn, here in our last few minutes, thank for making, uh, thank you for making yourself available. 
Did you all kind of watch it remotely together, Trace making his pro debut? Yeah, well, thanks for having me here. It's always a pleasure to chat with you guys. Um, we did, man. We were excited. Also, just like weird, weird, a mixture of weird feelings, right? Like this is the first time we've seen him out of a, you know, beaver uniform, not playing for dad. Um, so we were super excited. And obviously, it was a long time coming. I mean, the poor kid, it's been, you know, about a year since he's, you know, not mm-hmm. played hoops. And so we were just super excited for him to be on the court and, you know, for this opportunity. And Ellie and I were watching it from our, our home in Portland. Mom was down in Corvallis watching it. Dad was in Arizona in his hotel room watching it. And, you know, we're chatting back and forth throughout it. <laughs> you know, Jocelyn, we have the numbers, but how did he look? You said he's been, it's almost been over a year that he's been playing. How did he look just basically on the floor? Yeah, you know, sure. I mean, we were excited. You know, we don't know. He's been there for about a week of practice. And, um, you know, so first he he got in kind of end of the first quarter, started the second quarter. And, um, you know, the thing with Trace is he, you know, when you get at this level right to and maybe in a situation where guys haven't been playing and they're in the bubble, you know, you kind of see the guys that are out there firing and, you know, and it was great because their team was off to a hot start. But, you know, Trace comes in and, and, he, and you know, he's a, he's a team first guy. He wants to make the right decision. So he looks good. I mean, you could tell maybe if the first couple minutes there, a little bit of nerves and jitters, you know, as expected. Um, you know, but he, he had a good little backdoor pass for a guy that got fouled at the rim, um, you know, kind of got going, had a nice back cut for a little and one finish, missed, missed the shot, but, you know, took it to the free throw line. And, um, you know, he, he in, in, at this level, it's, it's a little different than what he's used to, right? He's, he's got to, you know, earn earn every opportunity, make the most of every second he's out there, and, and he knows that. And I think it was just a matter of first game, you know, getting the nerves out and getting comfortable. Luckily, they're going to be playing a lot of games. Um, you know, so we were happy for him. You know, obviously, it's it's just going to be a little bit different than what he's used to. And, you know, he's ready for that challenge and, uh, you know, earning, earning some more playing time. It's a big moment for him. I'm glad you all got to share it in a sense, however remotely you were all watching as he made his professional debut. It's pretty cool, is it not, Jocelyn, that he's getting to play on a team and reunited with GP2. That must be good for both of them, I would think. You know, yeah, I think they're both, um, you know, even prior to them knowing that they were going to be both, you know, with the 905 team, they've they've remained great friends. Um, You know, Trace really looked up to Gary when he was a freshman, and, and Gary was the leader of that team that year. Um, so really has, you know, looked up to him. And, and Gary, too, has always looked out for Trace, kind of, you know, a little big brother, little brother dynamic. And uh, they they remain in contact. And I think it's great for Trace to also learn from Gary, you know, being here in, in this experience with this team, too, because Gary's been, uh, you know, in and out of, of the NBA roster, the G League for, you know, the last few years. And so there's a lot of experience um, and lessons, you know, he can learn from, from Gary, um, but also just kind of nice to probably have some familiarity there, right? You're going into something you've never been in, you don't know anyone, um, and, and so it could be a lot of different things for, for guys for the first time. So I know Trace is excited just to have someone he knows, has played with, who's been through it um, out there. And we were, you know, we were all excited to see about that, that we were, you know, selfishly hoping we'd see a little bit more of the two of them on the court at the same time, which didn't really happen a whole lot. It just happened, you know, Gary be out when Trace was in. 
um, just to kind of see see that you know dynamic play out again years later. But it is really cool, and I know Trace is excited about it. I know we live in an era, the, the, a popular phrase, Jocelyn, is positionless basketball, and you have to be a complete player and do a lot of things. Did you get a sense, or does Trace have a sense of what his true position is? He's versatile, so he can play a lot of and fulfill a lot of different roles. Did you get a sense of how he was used last night, in a sense, what his position is, so to speak, or is it positionless? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess maybe it's a little bit hard for us to maybe see just after game one and, you know, mm-hmm. getting out there. Uh, I think it's, it's great to see, you know, he, he did take a shot at three. He maybe hesitated a little bit. And so I think he, he knows at this level, you know, he's obviously got to shoot it at a high clip and be ready. And I think for us, we would like to again just because he is such a facilitator making, you know, he can get his, his guys open and um, – but, you know, at this level, looking looking a little bit, and again, it was first game, totally understand, but looking for, for his shot a little bit more aggressively, too, and, and you know, being confident in that, um, you know, because that's what a lot of these guys are doing. But, again, he's lucky to be on a team that is reigning chance of the G League, great development program. Um, I mean, shoot, and, you know, you see Stouskis and, and Moody, I mean, Man, those guys can can shoot the ball, and I think it's good for him to learn that that's what he's got to do consistently. Um, but also, as well as a work on you know defensively too, being able to to guard um, you know some of those quicker and athletic and and, and guard types as well um, to be out there a bit more. But I, I think it it showed a little bit. I mean, like he was spotting up a lot of the arc. Um, I could see that they all you know they all move without the ball pretty well too. So. Um, all things, you know, Trace, I think, will get better at, too. And, you know, because, you know, years past, he used to maybe have the ball a little bit more of a creator. Yes. So how can he get himself into positions and, and open, you know, moving without the ball? Hey, Jocelyn, less than 30 seconds here, but I look for a huge bounce back tonight for your dad's team based on Colorado, but also the first Arizona game. I think the Beavs are going to play a much better game tonight. What are your thoughts about that? I absolutely think so, too. Um, you know, obviously, tough one in Colorado earlier this week. It was a tough one at home against Arizona last time. Um, you know, so I, I've heard, you know, talking to my dad, it's been a great week of practice. Guys are remain focused. That's the one thing that, you know, this team, my dad, they, they move on and, and onward and look to the next opponent and, and you know, be as prepared as they can. Um, so I, I definitely think that they're ready to come out and, and you know, show a little redemption. Yep. Um, after this week in the last matchup. So I'm excited and, uh, you know, hope that they just come out ready to fight from the jump. Great talking to you, Jocelyn. Thanks, Jocelyn. Congratulations to you and the family. We'll talk again soon. Jocelyn Tinkle joining us. Thanks to all of you for joining us today. We'll see you tomorrow. Okay, Here's the microphone. Is this thing on? This is KEJO Corvallis. Everybody hear me?